0: Before we dive into this episode, I wanted to take the time to recognize the help and support The Expats has received. First of all, huge thanks to Wade Kelly, Mark Carnes, Jasmine Franklin, Chris Henderson, Lou Pokel, Lisa Belanger, and many others. They're all friends of the show who've referred expats to us. They're a big reason there's a show at all. To Mac Mail, Karen Unland, Dave Cornway, Colin McIntyre, Samantha Power, and scores of others who've liked, favorited, shared, and retweeted messages about the show, you're the reason new people are downloading new episodes every single day. Lastly, massive, heartfelt thanks to Eldon Kimson. Eldon is a dear friend of mine and one of the best designers I've ever worked with for as long as I've worked in communications. When I called Eldon up and told him I needed a logo designed for the expats, he was so excited and so enthusiastic, and I'm so thrilled with what he was able to create. If you're looking for an expert designer and creative director with over 10 years of experience, get in touch with him at Eldon Creates on Twitter. And now, on with the show. Millions of Canadians have had the opportunity to experience Mexico. An estimated 1.6 million visit the country each year. It's probably fair to say that most of those people don't get to see the real Mexico, the Mexico that most Mexicans experience. And even if you've never visited yourself, the name Mexico conjures all kinds of imagery, both representative of the country and decidedly not. Think Red Dead Redemption, The Three Amigos, Tacos, Quesadillas, Federales, rich history and culture. Let's journey then to the nation's capital of Mexico City and see it through the eyes of a recent Canadian transplant on the expats. Welcome to the expats. I'm your host, Adam Rosenhart, based out of Edmonton, Alberta, Canada. Many expats leave Canada for opportunities that present themselves almost fatefully. At least, that's what seemed to happen to Graham Kishiuchi and his family. But who the heck is Graham? What's his deal?
1: Well, I'm uh, 37, married and two kids. Uh, Two kids are six and a half and four and a half. Um, we're in Mexico City right now because of uh, because of my wife's job. She worked for a company in Canada, and they started up a uh, in Edmonton, and they started up uh, an office in Mexico City. And she was sort of working on that project, <clears throat> and uh, it turned into uh, you know it was the the start of the project was you know should we go down and, and explore the Mexican market. And then once it turned into yes, we're going to go down there and bid on some contracts and stuff like that, it was they offered her a job. And at that time, it was one of uh, a lot of a lot of uh, coincidences sort of coming together where I was working on a project. I worked for the city of Edmonton, and I was working on the Commonwealth Games bid. So late in January, the uh, last week in January, we got word that uh, you know due to the economy at that time and a bunch of things, you know where. The, the bid was canceled. We were going to pull out of our bid, and uh, so that was a that was a big bummer for for me. And it was a, it was a great project that I was really really enjoying working on, and it was uh, sort of right up my alley. And that was on a Tuesday. We got that word, and then on a Friday, Kelly got offered the position down here. Uh, so it was. Just one of those things where it was like, "Oh, like, that's perfect." Now we we basically don't really have any reason to not do this once we talk through the logistics. So
0: sure. And and what kind of what kind of logistics did you guys have to talk through? Because in spite of the fact that you had this opportunity before you, I don't imagine that was an easy decision.
1: No, I think um, I think the specter of Mexico City. I think when it was offered, it was almost a wait. I don't know anything about Mexico City you know like there's things you sort of uh, you hear about through the news or, or movies or whatever like oh you know Mexico's got a crime problem then yeah you dig a little deeper and you're like but what do I know about that like does Mexico City have a crime problem? Uh, the only other things I knew about Mexico City were it was huge um, and it used to have a, a pollution like a really bad pollution problem uh, but I, I'd heard that they did a bunch of things to change it, but. And that was literally our depth of knowledge of Mexico City.
0: So, a steep learning curve for you going into this this new country, this new city.
1: For sure, yeah. I think um, she got offered the position on Friday, and, and so basically that night and all through the weekend, it was just a lot of googling of you know Mexico City uh, pollution. Uh, what's it like for expats? You know, how big is the city? Uh, you know what? What are what is life like down there? Trying to figure it out. Then, then on our own terms, we had to. You know, one of the first reactions we have is like, oh, geez, that's a cool opportunity. But you know, we have kids, and then it was like, well, well, we have kids, but I mean, they're basically the perfect age. You know, six and four is you know getting in the kindergarten, grade one, two kind of area, and it, and uh, it was like, well, they're you know any younger, it would be too hard. You know, how little kids are pretty hard, and then any older. It becomes in a situation. Oh, you're ruining my life! You know, you're making me move to Mexico City and you know, leave my friends. So right now, we talk, we asked our kids like, "Hey, what do you think about Mexico City?" And they're like, "Great! You know, are we going tomorrow?"
0: <laughs> That's awesome. That's great. Yeah. So, how long have you been down there uh, so far?
1: Uh, it's uh, almost exactly two months. Two months and one day so far.
0: And tell me a little bit about this the adjustment period. I mean, when you arrived, did you have a place to stay? Are you guys looking to purchase a home? Uh, what's the situation like there on the ground?
1: Well, through the company, I think the company is uh, you know very sensitive to that adjustment for you know moving from Canada to uh, to a place like Mexico City. So they've. We went down in April uh, to look around, and so we—it uh, was—it was exactly like a House Hunters International trip, <laughs> you know, that that TV show, yeah. where we probably saw, honestly, at least at least twenty different apartments uh, over the course of about four days. We probably saw four different schools, uh, and it was just sort of a whirlwind tour of of Mexico City because we're driving all over it to go see these things. Um, yeah, so that was sort of phase one, and that would alleviated a lot of our our, um, our concerns that you, you have before you get to a place, like what's it going to be like and how safe will I feel? And could I see my kids here? Or could I see my, you know, my wife sort of, uh, walking to work alone kind of thing that, you know, that stuff.
0: Yeah. I imagine that would be uh, a bit of a stressful trip given the short period of time you had to do it in.
1: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But it was, it was really good. I think we, um, we packed a lot into it and I think we, uh, you know, m- maybe a hair too much cause we didn't really get to do any, any touristy stuff, but uh, we got a really good sense of, you know, I think we can make a life here. And I think this will be a pretty exciting few years.
0: And and so is that the time horizon for you guys, just a couple of years at, at minimum?
1: Yeah, I, I think uh, the contract is t- uh, two to four years. And I think we sort of work with the company uh, when we get towards two years to say, look, things are going great on both ends. Let's let's go another year. And, and that's where we're going.
0: Okay. So you've been there two months. You, you've by now, I assume had a bit of an opportunity to explore the city a little bit what what are your first impressions does it really feel like a very foreign place
1: um i think yes and no i think you know the there's there's some parts that are just very familiar of any sort of modern metropolitan city you know there's it has all the trappings of, of traffic and buildings and and parks and playgrounds and stuff um you know, we we Kelly and I previ- had previous experience living in Japan. We lived in Tokyo for a year uh, after university, and right downtown, there's we have a lot of flashbacks to uh, to Tokyo because it's such a huge city and has that same feel. Um, but I think that one thing that you know, as Canadians, you know, and certainly coming from Edmonton, there's a the biggest thing that stands out to me is just the depth of the history here. You know, they have. Uh, they have hundreds and hundreds of years of uh, of this being sort of the, the capital, you know, like back in the 1300s, it was the started to become the capital of the Aztec Empire, you know, and it's just sort of continued on from there.
0: Yeah, that would be pretty incredible, I would think.
1: Yeah. The, the, they they say this this city has the most museums uh of any city in the world, and I don't really know how they actually measure that in any real way, but uh, I, I wouldn't doubt it. It they have some amazing museums here. It's like the the Museum of Anthropology is almost worth the trip alone. You could probably spend two to three full days just walking through there.
0: Oh, that's incredible. That sounds so yeah. awesome.
1: So Yeah, it's it's an amazing thing, yeah.
0: So in the two months that you've been down there, um, what have you been spending your time doing to sort of get acclimatized uh, to this new place?
1: Well, um, so I've come down here with without a job and so my wife's been working. We had about you know, a week and a half where we were both just settling into our apartment. Uh, when we moved down, we were in a, a hotel for about three or four days while our apartment was just getting finalized. Then we moved our stuff over. Um, which was basically what we could get on the plane, and then a shipment was coming later. And then what I've been doing is me and my kids have just been uh, settling into a bit of a routine where we we go and explore something in the morning. You know, we went to the pyramids a couple weeks ago, just uh, to the north northeast. You know, we go to all the museums I just mentioned. Uh, There's different parks, there's different areas around the city that are just interesting to see. And then, um, in the afternoon we kind of relax and try to do some administrative logistics stuff. Like, you know, well we had to do back to school shopping a couple weeks ago and, you know, trying to figure out how to do that in Mexico city. And
0: yeah, what tell me a bit about the, I'm curious to know a little bit about the, whether or not there's a language barrier. Do you, do your wife speak Spanish or any other uh, languages other than English? And can you get by in Mexico City with just English?
1: Yeah, we we don't speak Spanish. Uh, we've been trying to learn as soon as we sort of finalized uh, that, yes, we're going to do this in, in April. Uh, we've been you know, just trying to use some apps like Duolingo uh, on our phones and iPad and stuff like that to try to, to get a bit of vocabulary. Um, I think Spanish is a language that I think, uh, isn't too far off English. You know, it's not like learning Mandarin or Japanese or anything like that. Uh, yeah. Certainly, um, I think coming from Canada as well, because we just have so much French around, even even in a province like Alberta, there's still still a lot of French. Um, those languages seem very similar. Like my my ability to read Spanish far outstrips my ability to speak Spanish, because um, you can see signs and, and you, familiarity of words and some of the structures you're like, Oh, okay, that's saying that this is closed until Sunday or this opens at one o'clock or I can figure that out. But I think the the language, the conversational Spanish is going to take a while. They just speak a lot faster. Plus it's in a big city. So they speak even faster than, than the average uh, Mexican person.
0: <laughs> yeah, I bet. You mentioned um, morning excursions with the kids. What's it like experiencing this new place through their eyes. Do you think they appreciate that they're somewhere that's dramatically different from Canada?
1: Yeah, you know, it's it's been really fun. I think, uh, you know, we've had a bit of an opportunity previously to go to Japan and, you know, travel around when you're young and, and have no kids. Um, but doing this with them at this point is is interesting because uh, a couple times a day we get somewhere. And even if it's some things that you wouldn't even notice, uh, that they pick up on, are like, "Hey, that's just like home. We have that at home," or like, "Hey, that's just like Canada." And then there's other parts where, like, "Wow, why why are we doing this? Why can't we just do this the other way?" And it's um, it's been an eye opener. I'm trying to think of some examples, but you know, just every little day at the park, you know, you see um, you know in the parks around our areas, there's there's a lot of nannies out with the kids. Oh, really? You know, not, not a lot of parents, especially during the weekdays. Um, and then at that, there's not a lot of dads and their kids, like just the dads and the kids. Mm-hmm. So they, they sort of picked up on that. Like once, cause nannies kind of have a bit of a uniform down here or somewhat. And, uh, they're like, so dad, what's going on? Like, who are those people with the kids? And I'm like, well, you know, this is, this is what happens down here.
0: Yeah. So th- there is often sort of two Mexico's that get described by people. Um, there's of yeah. course the people with lower socioeconomic status, uh, who are, who are getting by, you know, maybe sometimes selling trinkets, uh, trinkets. in tourist areas. And then there's of course, you know, people who are a little bit wealthier. Have you had the opportunity to see both sides of Mexico city or are you sort of, you know, upper middle class?
1: Um, so yeah, I think, you know, your, your comment about the two Mexicos is pretty true. Cause there's really only, there's really only rich people and then poor people and there's sort of two classes of of poor people if you break it down further where there's there's the poor and then there's like the super poor and the super poor like you know are out in sort of the outskirts of the city um but the that's one thing that's really stood out for us is like how rich the rich people are it's it's uh it's not something that we've really sort of experienced um with like you know out 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 our, um, we just went for a walk this morning, and uh, so we walk a little bit to get into the really sort of old money sort of area of uh, Mexico City. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's a there's a Ferrari dealership. There was a Aston Martin dealership, like actual dealerships where they just have a whole bunch of Ferraris there. Um, and then literally on that street corner, there's a mom with a, a little baby in the string, and she's just trying to sell a trinket or just straight out like ask for a few pesos. Um, you know, and then there's guys that are working to build these buildings that these dealerships are in, and so we've asked some of our friends. We're like, "So, what are those guys making?" And they're like, "Well, they're making about, you know, twenty to fifty pesos a day." Oh my god! Which is which is like two to four dollars a day.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a subsidized lifestyle for sure. If you're if you're one of the wealthier people, I guess.
1: Oh, it's crazy. Like we were we're we're doing pretty well down here, you know, and we're feeling pretty comfortable. And it's, I think. I think it's a, you know, we've talked about it a lot. It's an awkward feeling. You know, it's a, it's a really awkward feeling. Like we're really, we're right in that weird spot where we're, we're actually pretty poor compared to the actual rich people down here. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, We're like ungodly wealthy compared to a whole bunch of other people. So it's a, it's a weird spot to be in and it's not something, it's so exaggerated compared to Canada
0: have the kids noticed the difference in in sort of wealth there have they commented on it at all
1: yeah I think uh, there's no way in Mexico City as much as as much as it seems like the rich people are really trying to sort of isolate uh, you know uh, avoiding the poor population uh, there's just no way there's just too many people um, you know there's there's always people selling a little trinket you uh, you know, when you drive, there's uh, there's people that as soon as there's a red light, they just stream, they they come out and walk between the cars and they want to wash your windshield or they just are asking for, for pesos or are selling random stuff like um, and they're actually it's pretty market driven. So in areas where at times of day and areas where moms uh, or dads are picking up their kids to and from school, they're selling like school supplies. You know, like a multiplication table or an abacus or something. But but it's everywhere and it's all the time and there's always somebody where you know our kids look out the window of the car or we're walking by and it's kind of like you know especially our four year old who's a little younger is like you know daddy why why is that guy's clothes so dirty and, and things like that right or
0: they've got an insatiable curiosity about that stuff
1: yeah and I think you know we've talked about that when we came down here because we noticed that in April we we in April we came without our kids. Um, and, you know, we were like, you know, I think it's going to be tough. There's going to be some tough moments where where there's moms and they're basically little babies, you know, just sort of sitting on a sidewalk in front of a five-star hotel just asking for change, you know, and that's going to be a tough thing. But I also think that's a, a good thing. It's just sort of a, a learning opportunity, you know, to throw a cliche out there. But it it really is to say, like, look, you know, life isn't just what you've experienced. You know, there's lots of different versions of life and you bought a pretty good one you know and you should you should be thankful for that
0: yeah no question that brings me to a point i wanted to talk about immediately but i've held off because you know i don't want to sound like a pig but what about the food what's the food like down there
1: the food is crazy it's uh we've we've been um Uh, we've been kind of cautiously, uh, easing into the, the local food, uh, you know, like the actual Mexican food from tacos to, to everything else, just to make sure that we don't, you know, dive right in and then have, you know, a full blown gastrointestinal problem. Um, but we've been easing in more and more and we've really started getting after it lately and it's unbelievable. And and certainly right in the middle of Mexico city, you have, it's an international city. So you have all the best cooks and and restaurants and flavors coming in. Plus you have just this unbelievable depth of Mexican food from the the street vendors right up to, you know, mom and pop restaurants to, to some really high end restaurants. It's the food is unbelievable.
0: Oh, I'm so jealous that that is one of the big things that would draw me down there for sure.
1: Like before coming down, like I I like Mexico, Mexican food, but I didn't, I didn't love it. It wasn't like, oh, I can't wait to have Mexican food for lunch today or something. But like down here, like I, everywhere except Mexico, I hate refried beans. Like they're, they're really gross. The texture's weird and it tastes like, uh, like wet cardboard. Um, <laughs> but here it's unbelievable. Like I actually ordered it on purpose. Right. So, um, yeah, it's, it's amazing.
0: That's great. And I know you've only been down there for a couple months, but, uh, is there anything that you've really been missing about home since you've been away?
1: Uh, yeah, I mean, this, the standard stuff, sort you know, the uh, the, par- the parents, you know, family, uh, uh, friends, you know, the neighborhood and stuff like that. But uh, other than that, I think uh, you know, one thing that we've been working through a lot of logistics, trying to settle in in our life, uh, and a lot of administrative bureaucratic stuff in Mexico City. And I think whatever sort of bureaucratic frustrations you face in Canada. Uh, with you know passports or driver's license or anything like that that is um that is so inconsequential to the way bureaucracy works down here (laughs) (laughs) it's uh and then you add on to this sort of and and i i hear this from a lot of people and i heard this from people before but like oh you'll get used to the term manana which is like tomorrow or or more accurately later um And so everything is manana and every there's, it's, it's almost like if I could sum it all up, it's sort of like the lack of, of really, uh, drilled down protocol. Like when you order something or a guy says he's coming, um, everything is in giant windows of time. Like it's like, Oh, well the guy who will be over to take a look at that leaky faucet. It's from eight till six. It's like eight till six. Like I I have things to do. I can't, (laughs) You know, it's not like between 8 and 10 a.m. It's 8 till 6 p.m., right? And
0: It's worse than waiting for the Shaw guy to show up.
1: Yeah, exactly. And, and it's everything. And the bureaucracy, we for the school, we had to register for a school. And uh, we actually had to leave our birth certificates there. And so we were shocked. We were like, look... I don't, I, you have a copy of it and you've seen the original, but I'm not going to leave you our kid's birth certificates. No kidding. And they said, well, you have to, you know, that's just what happens. We have to make sure they're not counterfeit. And that's just the process. Don't worry. You'll get them back. If you need them for something, just call us and come get them. And I tried to explain like in Canada, like other than updating your passport because it's expired, you would never leave that kind of document with somebody.
0: Yeah. Wow. But
1: here, it's just like it, all the kids had to leave it with them. And so for they were looking at me like I had two heads, like, why are you being so weird about this? Just give me the document. And then for me, I was like, why? how can you be asking me to just give you this? No kidding. <laughs> yeah.
0: Have you, uh, have you had to bribe anybody?
1: No, no. And I think there's sort of a, it's more of a tipping culture down here. So, I mean, that's a really shallow, like, end of bribing. So the maintenance guys around the building, we kind of gave them, you know 50 pesos like uh, first couple times they came around to do stuff and just to say hey we're kind of nice people and you know that kind of stuff uh, but there's been no uh, where somebody's denied us access to something and then kind of hinted at like well uh, there's a there's a phrase that I don't know but I've been clued into it where they say like well if you could give me a hand and a hand means 500 pesos and so we Through the company, they've kind of, uh, they've briefed us on security issues and bribes and stuff like that. And they said, as a practice, don't bribe anybody, don't offer to bribe anybody. But if you ever feel like, uh, if you ever feel like you need, you're in in potential trouble with either, with either the police or somebody else, and you feel like a bribe will get you out of there, uh, do it. Um, So the whole security briefing part was both uh, great uh and also terrifying <laughs> yeah i'm sure uh, we have uh we did proof of life kits uh like just like the movies wow where i i've submitted fingerprints and dna like a saliva sample <laughs> and as well for my kids and my wife and uh you know we have secret questions and stuff like that so if we call and you know kelly's kelly asked me so how did uh you know, how did helicopter flight school, or, you know, just something random that sounds normal, but like I know she doesn't do. I know something's up. Jeez. Yeah, it was a really, really surreal experience. There's been some pretty surreal experiences so far. Like the other thing is, there's lots of security around. There is no apartment building and no house in the sort of downtownish and greater downtownish area that doesn't have fences and guards out front. Like our building has has guys at every entrance outside, and they have Uzis. Holy cow! Yeah.
0: Wow. Does that do you? Does that make you feel safer?
1: Uh, it's it's unsettling. I'm not sure. Like, I think the net effect is just sort of a zero, right? Like, it's nice that they're there, uh, I guess, um, but it's also unsettling that there's li- I, I see multiple Uzis and shotguns every day which is really weird for a Canadian, I guess. For sure. I think this kind of interview would be uh, certainly different every sort of six months, you know, moving forward. Uh, I think we've we've dove in and we've had a, a pretty immersive first two months, but I'm, I imagine the next couple of years will be even more so.
0: Two months along and the Kishiuchis are finding their footing south of the U.S. border down Mexico Way. And hey, maybe we'll check in with him and his family after they've had more time to settle into their new life As expats. Thank you for listening to this episode of the show. If there are any expats you think I should be speaking with, have them email me at info at expatspodcast.ca or send me an email yourself and let's create this global network of Canadians living abroad. You can now follow us on Twitter at expatspodcast and we even have a handy dandy Facebook page. Just look for the expats. I've been your host, Adam Rosenhart. If you liked this episode, do me a big favor and leave us a review on iTunes. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch up again in a couple of weeks.